I just love all of the three songs that we sang. I mean, the first song is that God's our lighthouse. The second song is that he is love. And the last song is that he's our living hope. And this last song actually was based on 1 Peter 1.3. And it reads, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus from Christ the dead. And now we live with great expectation. So I just want all of you guys to hear that truthfully God is our living hope. And that because when he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for our undeserving selves, due to such unconditional love, we all know he didn't stay there. Just like the song said, the cross has spoken and he rose again. And because of that, he is living within us and he has promised us an eternal life in heaven with him. And I think sometimes our flesh tends to put hope in worldly things. Like if we could just lose five more pounds, we'd be happier. Or if we could just get that job promotion that we've been wishing for in, that, in the job that we've worked decades for, it seems. Or if we could just make more friends or receive outstanding grades, then maybe we'll be happy. But what I think we all know is that none of these things actually fulfill us when we reach them. Because that's because only God can fulfill us. Placing our hope in worldly things is like building our house on sand. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to build my house on sand. I want to build my house on a spiritual rock-solid foundation. So I'm going to have the girls sing the chorus of Living Hope one more time. And as I sing, I want you guys to reflect on where your hope is placed. If it's placed in the worldly things, God doesn't want you sticking there. He wants you to surrender those to him. And so as I sing, I want you to reflect. And as you reflect, just surrender all of those things that you are placing your hope in and declare who your real, real living hope is. Um, because God has a prosperous life plan for us and he wants to be in the driver's seat of your life. So I'll have the crow sing one more time. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful night that we all get to gather together under you, God. I thank you that we get to participate in fellowship to only strengthen each other in you as you have created us to be surrounded by people. And most of all, God, thank you that we are saved by you and thank you for the eternal life that we are promised, even though we may not deserve it. So God, I pray that with that, we acknowledge that as your children, we place our hope in you, God, because you are constant. You fulfill all of your promises. You see us, you understand us, and you strengthen us. God, help us to remember that life here on earth is nothing compared to the eternal life that you have promised us in heaven. And help us to place our trust in you through that understanding. And through that, we can fulfill our plan that we were created for, as we are given these gifts that you want us to confidently pursue for you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for all that you do. And thank you for loving us unconditionally. And in your precious name, 
Amen. So welcome to Metro Believers Church Youth Service. It's good to see you out there, Zach and Phoebe. Um, we're excited for this opportunity for the youth to have the opportunity to bring the message tonight. Have you noticed, I want you to think about this, have you noticed like American Idol, The Voice, um, you see this top talent rise and you always find out it's that it's those who had opportunities within the church. Think about it like Nick Jonas, right? Katy Perry, John Legend, Kelly Clarkson, they all came up to the church. And so um, it's just awesome to see how God, Willie Spence, Sunday, you know, it's just so awesome to see how God uses believers and it's the church that gives people an opportunity to use their gifts. You believe that? And so it's exciting that we have this opportunity to do that. Tonight we want to talk about that very thing, calling. And Here's a question that I know all of you have asked yourselves. What do I want to be when I grow up? How many have ever asked that, that question? What do I want to do when I grow up? I'm a 1970s kid. I was born in 1973. And Superman came out in 1978. I was five years old. I lived right down the street from the theater. I went with a couple friends. We went and watched Superman. That following week, I got a cape. I felt like I had Superman powers, I could fly, and I was going to test it out. I got up on the rock wall at the apartment complex that I grew up at, and um, I tried to fly, and needless to say, I knocked myself out. I fell and hit the, the pavement and um, woke up on the way to the hospital. And so I hung up my cape. Superman wasn't going to be um, what I was going to be when I grew up. I went through the Rocky stage, I went through the Bruce Lee stage, jumping off, you know, drop kicks off the, the picnic table. Um, needless to say, my sister did not appreciate that because um, I practiced on her and my mom and dad said, you're not Rocky, you're not Bruce Lee, that's not what you're going to do when you, you get older. But that's the question we ask ourselves, you know, what, what's God's call on my life or what am I supposed to do with my life? And how many know, even you adults, you hit 50, and you're like, what am I going to do when I grow up? <laughs> what am I going to do when I grow up? And so tonight, we're going to talk about calling. In the Bible, the Bible talks about two types of calling. The general calling that we have as believers, and the specific technical calling that we have in, as a vocation. But the Bible talks more about our general calling than it does our technical or specific calling. And so tonight's the first point that I want to share tonight is we're all called, like Alyssa said, to come to Christ. We're all called to come to Christ. John 3.16, we grew up with that verse, for God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't punish. He didn't send wrath. He gave. He was a generous God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that we would not perish. You know what that word perish means? It means to um, be eternally separated from Christ, to live eternal um, destruction. He didn't want that. Do you know that there's do not enter signs all around hell? You know, trying to keep people from going to hell. He doesn't want eternal separation for us. He's like, he went to the cross in, in essence saying, over my dead body, you know, are you going to go to hell? And he's calling us to come to him. Right, right now, I see throughout our nation, you know, people are, 
are going to things, you know, as our world's been polarized and there's chaos and there's just things that you never thought you would ever see in your lifetime. And um, people are confused. People are searching for meaning in different things. And Christ is calling the church to call others to come to Christ too. And I want to invite um, Ruby to come on up. And she's going to share the second point. And I think it's so awesome and important. And then the youth will follow after her. Hello, I'm Ruby Cluton. Um, I believe we are all called to be Christ's ambassadors. My dad and I were talking through what I wanted to say today, and he helped me find a scripture verse. Um, this verse is found in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 through 20. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in, that is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself and counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The beginning of this passage says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. I believe that I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. The second half of this verse talks about being Christ's ambassadors. The definition of ambassador is a person who acts as a representative or promoter of a specified activity. What I believe this verse means is I might be the only person standing up in Christ, but I need to represent God everywhere I go. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Let no one look down on you because you are young, but be an example to the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Even if I'm the only person standing up to Christ, I need to represent God in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. I believe I'm called to be an ambassador of Christ and to represent and promote him. Well, we are all called to live a life worth, worthy of Christ's calling. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are all surrounded by a, since we are all surrounded by so great since we are all surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay down every weight and every and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the, the races that is set before us. God has a specific race for each individual Christian to run. Each race is unique. It's different for each person. You don't know how long your race is. Run it with endurance. Per one personal example I have is each and every race I run, I have a mental note knowing I will finish my race. And as much as cross country is a physical sport, it is such a mental sport. We all have challenges in our lives, and we all have finish lines. So at one point, we pass that line, and we have so many more to cross. And we should all look forward to those because they make us really stronger. When I'm running my race, I cannot look back at others because that will just slow me down because I'm looking at their performance to compare myself. Everyone has their own gifts, and we should always stay in our lane 
and I know if and I know in track if I move into another lane I get disqualified. So this is a reminder to stay in your lane because God has gifted us with unique talents. Um, so I believe that we are all called to be planted in some way. Um, and my verse is First Psalms or Psalms one three, and it says, "The person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaves do not wither. Whatever they do, they prosper." Um, this verse speaks to me because, to me, the tree in this verse represents a beacon planted along a river bank, and I believe that we are all supposed to be those beacons planted along a river bank. One thing I know about rivers is that it never stops. It's always on a constant move. And um, so this makes me think of our callings, that when we're in a season, we visit it for a short time. And when that time is up, and once we finish the thing that God has commissioned us to do, then we move some more in the river until God has another season he's going to plant us in. I believe we are called to see God's goodness and how he is working through whatever hard thing is happening to us. My first is, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Romans 8:28. I have an example of God calling me to see his goodness, even in a difficult situation. I can't look at screens like computers and TVs because they give me headaches when I watch them. This has been frustrating for me because screens are needed for many school and social activities. I didn't think there was anything good about this, but after a little bit, I realized I had more time to spend with God. I also realized that I could text slash call people without getting headaches. I quickly figured out that God allowed me to have these headaches for better and not for worse, so that I would have more time with Him. God called me to understand that sometimes we fill our time with distractions and forget to pray and read the Bible, but God calls us to never forget to worship Him. Overall, I learned that God works everything for good and that we all need to make time to worship Him. I believe that we are called to lean on God's faithfulness. Life can get hard, like when they give you only one sauce packet with your 20-piece nugget. It's like you have to ration like World War II. <laughs> or when you forget to plug in your toothbrush, so you actually have to use energy to brush your teeth. And from the words of one of our great philosophers, Weird Al Yankovic, when you try to skip a commercial, but then you realize it's live TV. Of course, these are not real problems, but we know life can get hard. John 16:33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world there is trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Jesus told us that there would be hard times in life. For instance, one day me and my family went to Costco and I ate a huge pizza. My stomach started to hurt, so I went over to my mom and I told her about it. I told her that every day I would wake up and have extreme stomach pain, but I told no one because I thought it was normal. We got some tests done. It turns out I have sensitivities to multiple foods. I'm still battling these sensitivities, but even though it's been hard, I'm still believing that God has a plan for me, and it will, he'll make it for his good. He is faithful in all circumstances, good or bad. He's given us abundant mercy and kindness. Lamentations 3:22 through 23. Because of the Lord's faithful love, 
who do not perish, for his mercies never end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. He has never abandoned us and never will. He rescued the early Christians from persecution, even though some died, and made it for his good. When they fled from city to city, they spread the good news. Even now, our faith is being tested. Like in India, Christ's followers are being put in prison and even to death because of their faith. But take heart and lean on God's abundant faithfulness. First Corinthians 10.13 no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Resisting temptation is something every Christian is called to do. I felt called to talk about it tonight because it is something that is not easy, and I know it's something I can struggle with. Temptation is something everyone has faced. There are very serious cases of temptation when we are tested by the devil to disobey God's word. I am a young teenager but I've been challenged with temptations many times. But I know I can look to God's word for guidance. In Matthew 4, 1 through 11, Jesus is approached by the devil, who is trying to tempt Jesus. He first tempts Jesus, who has been fasting for 40 days, to turn stones into bread. Jesus responds to this with scripture. Next, the devil takes Jesus to the holy city, and they stand on the highest point of the temple. He tells Jesus, if he jumps off, it is said in the Bible that the angels will lift him up, not letting his phone touch, foot touch the ground. This is another example of the devil bending the truth. He took part of scripture, left out important details, and therefore changed the meaning. Once again, Jesus responds to the devil with scripture. A third time, the devil tempts Jesus, taking him to the peak of a mountain overlooking all the kingdoms of the world. The devil, the devil tempts Jesus by bargaining, giving all of the kingdoms to Jesus, if only he would bow to him. For a third time, Jesus responds with scripture. After this, the devil leaves Jesus having tempted him three times, and having failed three times. As well as being fully God, Jesus was also fully man, so he was faced with the temptations equally as us. Jesus was a human, same as all of us, who was not eaten for 40 days. Can you imagine how strong the urge to give in would be? What he felt and was tempted with was fully human, and he countered it with the Bible every time. Jesus is a perfect role model, and he showed what to do when we are tempted. As said in 1 Corinthians 10.13, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. I think that if someone didn't have God, temptations are something that would be unbearable. Because of God's grace, I know I have a way to resist temptation. In this day and age, it is easy to be tempted by things we shouldn't do. Many things the world says we should, whereas God's word contradict. I find that often culture tempts by presenting things as okay, because many people do or accept it. The pressure of giving into this temptation is something I can find difficult. In addition to this, as a young person whose generation is surrounded by media constantly pushing ideas, not of all which the Bible agrees with. This is hard because there's a constant presence saying I'm the one who is not accepting these ideas due to lack of loving our neighbors, which is something Christ has called us to do. But I can always rely on scripture to help me determine what is true. I know that in my life ahead of me, I can always rely on scripture to determine what is true. I may be challenged, but I can endure it because God will make a way out for me. Temptations may be strong, but our God is stronger. We as Christians are called to guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23 Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Christians are called to be like Jesus and to represent God. This is not a gradual change. This is a gradual change, not an overnight one. 
It starts with stopping bad practices and habits. You put into your heart what you say, what you watch, who you're with, what you consume, and what you love. If you put sinful, ungodly, and worldly practices, you will get the same out in your actions and words. But if you surround yourself with godly people and practices, you will do good, loving, and kind things, say loving words, and stop unholy practices. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. We as Christians are called to be confident in God's timing for us. It's easy for us to wonder where we belong. Is this the house, the town, the country, the friend, this relationship, this job, this career, this choice, the right one? As a teen, thinking ahead to the future, it can be hard. It can cause worry and stress and, I think most of all, discontentment. If you're always wondering and doubting if this is the right place to be, you miss things. You miss out on new friends and the blessings that God has put for you right in front of you. A friend gave me this analogy. So say, long after this is all gone in heaven, you're walking with God and you turn and you see this shelf. And on this shelf, there are gifts. Beautiful gifts wrapped up with bows and ribbons. They're colorful and beautiful. And you turn and ask, what are these? And he says to you, these are your gifts, Trinia. I gave these to you, but you didn't unwrap them. This relates to our timing. Acts 17, 24 through 28 says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands, as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far away from any one of us. In this verse, it says he's marked out our times in history, when we live, but also the boundaries of our land, where we live. We're right where we're meant to be right now. Proverbs 31, 25 says, She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. Although this is talking about a woman of valor, it can also be an attribute that we can strive to have for both men and women. We can have strength and courage and dignity and we can laugh at the days to come. We don't have to be afraid of them. We can laugh in their face. Wouldn't that be great if we could just slow down, look around, and enjoy where we are, wherever we are, whoever is standing next to us, and we could thank God for it. We could thank him for the blood to be confident in God's timing for us. The definition of confidence is the belief that one can rely on someone, it is a firm trust, and it is certain about the truth of something. This verse is truth. We can believe it. We can be certain that God has a specific time and place for us in this world.
When I think about my calling, gratitude immediately comes to mind. I am called to walk out 1 Thessalonians 5:16-18. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I am called to rejoice always. I am called to pray constantly and I am called to give thanks in everything. These are three commands for from God's word for all of us. In verse 16, it says to rejoice always. Sometimes for me, it's hard to rejoice. Like when, um, for instance, when I am sick or when other people are sick or when friends and family are experiencing hardship. But I always keep this thought in my mind that I know that God has a purpose for my life and and f- for others. Um, in s- verse 17, it says to pray constantly. Praying has always been a part of my life. When people are in need or when I am in need, I know God is the best place to go for help and comfort. Prayer is simply t- talking to God. One of God's names is Elroy, the God who sees. I know when I talk to him, he sees he sees and he hears me and he hears my prayers. In the last part of this passage, it says in verse 18 that we should give thanks in all circumstances, which can be a difficult thing to do, such as when things aren't going the way you wanted or when people are struggling with life. The summary of this passage to me is to always have gratitude because we know all things work together for my good and for for his glory. Hello, my name is Rylan Turner, and my verse I chose was Philian 1, verse 7, which says, Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. This verse tells me that a joy-filled person sees things in a cheerful perspective, but if you are depressed, you're... If you are depressed, you see things as melancholy. You You have chose joy. Joy comes from a deeper place. You can... You can be filled with joy even when your life is unhappy. Joy comes from God. Joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit that God gives Christians. Joy is the insurance that God is in control of the details of my life. These words speak to me because I feel like a gift that the Lord gave me is making a sad person happy. For example, a while ago, I had a friend who was always depressed, and when I saw he wasn't the way he usually is, one day I saw that he wasn't the way he usually is, so I went over to cheer him up, and after I did, he said, you have a talent. So I kept, so I, and I heard it from some of you. So that kept me, to, kept me going to try and make people happy on a bad day. As Christians, we are called not to worry about our future. Do you know how many times the Bible says not to fear? About 365 times. Do you know how many days are in a year are? 365. What does this tell us? Jesus doesn't want us to fear. He doesn't want us to worry. May I be the first to say, I worry. A lot. We as humans worry about almost everything. For me, it's like, will I play basketball or volleyball in college? Will this injury ever heal? What car will I drive? Will I do good on this test? 
Will I crash my new car? Will I do good on the science fair? This and that. Thoughts in our heads that swirl around and can drive us insane. We think about, we think, what plans does Jesus have for us? Does he even have plans for us? Does he really hold my future? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So he does have plans for us. Plans to prosper us and not to harm us. He knows what we need and he knows our future. And yes, he holds it all in his hands. I hope that this week you will think on this verse. I'll give you a challenge. Every day, try to think about some way he has brought you through something. Whether it's COVID quarantine, school, injury, work, or anything. And may he give you peace. All right. Yeah. Uh, first, is I got bookmarked, first of all. And as I was going through my bookmarks, uh, I came to realization this was actually one of the, like, the first verses corresponding with one of some of the first Bible plans I did as I was getting more and more invested into my faith. And I started to think back on what actually led me, what led me to connect with this verse so much. So y'all are going to hear a little bit of story time. Uh, around the time, it was like around, I like to say like early, like eighth grade, you know, middle school, sucks. And I was starting to see around me, all my peers had something that set them apart, something that made them special, something that gave them recognition. And I failed to find that within myself oftentimes. And throughout the years, it started to tear into me a lot. And I was questioning a lot of my values. I was like, will I ever get recognized by anybody? Does this, I don't have anything special. I more or less, I can do a lot, but it's mediocre. It doesn't compare to anything that anyone else is doing. And so I continued to go down and down uh, over this period of time. I was very depressed. I uh, wasn't exactly at my best. And over that time, my family started going to church more and more. My mom started to sing. And I started to do Bible plans on my own. And I discovered Second uh, Corinthians 12.9 during a Bible plan I was doing. It reads, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. And I was like, but weaknesses, like, I was thinking of like Pokemon, like, you know, you, I see a weakness, fire, be, fire lose the water. Like, but like, so I thought about it more and more, I was like, maybe this big weakness I don't have anything that I would recognize particularly special it's really just a place for God to work in my life more so as I started to lean on him more I started to let go of that fear of you know what if I'm just you know I'm just delusional I'm just I'm I'm praying and I'm having full-on conversations with I'm having full-on conversations with God I'm feeling I'm feeling a connection there. I feel like I get, like I'm actually having like a back and forth conversation sometimes. And eventually I managed to let go of most of this fear and I cast all my doubts onto him and I ended up discovering a lot of the gifts that I have now. And the more I, once I got into high school, I started to figure out things I was good at, good at talking to people. 
and I discovered new career paths, and over time it led me to make a really big life decision, which was to go to college a bit early. And I took a, an opportunity called the STEM Academy, which allowed me to take a big step towards going to college more. At first I retaliated, because I was like, maybe I don't, I don't want to leave my friends behind. But then I prayed on it. God said, you got, you got to go, this is your time. And just going through my daily life, this verse has, this concept has stuck with me every so often because, you know, God's stronger than all of us. Like, we see fear, he's like, nah. <laughs> and so, yeah, that change, that verse really changed my life for the better, just in general. And I'm just grateful to have the opportunity to have such a powerful rebound from being at my lowest point to discovering that weakness is just another way for God to work in our lives and show his power. Wow. That's like 12 sermons right there. I feel like we should have taken about five minutes between each one just to think about it. Great job, you guys. Got some funny kids. We got some great speakers. Got some great parents. You learned tonight that the same guy that can uh, teach you about Pokemon characters can turn you on to some Bible plans, too. Thank you, Sebastian. So let's stand to our feet. I'm going to read them real quick because they were all so good. You probably got engrossed in each one. Um, we are called to be Christ's ambassadors. We're called to run our race. We're called to be planted. We're called to see, how, to see the good and how God is working through whatever hard thing is happening to us. We're called to lean into God's faithfulness. We're called to resist temptation. We're called to guard our hearts. We're called to be confident in God's timing. We're called to live a life of contentment and gratitude. We're called to live a joy-filled life called not to worry about our future, and we're called to lean on God's strength and not our own. So if you're a Christian here, man, I just trust that one of those things, if not all, but one of those things spoke to you tonight. If you're not a Christian here and you want to become a Christian tonight, I told you earlier he's faithful to complete the work. And if you came here, the work had begun. That's what got you here. So let's, let's bow our heads right now and close our eyes. I want to pray for a couple minutes. If you're in that category that would say, hey, I want to know Jesus Christ. I've heard a lot about him tonight. These kids, Jesus loved kids. He said, bring them to me. I always have time for kids. And tonight, he might have spoke to your heart through that. So if, if you would say, I want to know Jesus as my Savior tonight, would you raise your hand if you've never done that? All right, awesome. So we're all here as Christians. We're all here with him as our Savior. If you felt like God called you to respond to one of these things the kids preached tonight, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand now. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Let's go ahead and pray then. Father, you are so big and so powerful. And as big and as powerful as you are, you're intimate and personal. And Lord, I just believe that you touch lives tonight. We know that you touch lives tonight through these kids, these youth, these young people. 
Kids is the wrong word. They are, they are young people that you are working through, Lord. Uh, you've touched their lives already. Sebastian's testimony at the end. Um, man, there's Lydia's testimony. There's so many of them, Lord, that we all need to be reminded of what we were taught tonight. So I pray that as we've heard your word and as we've responded now by raising our hands, by lifting our hearts to you, that we would proclaim that, that we can trust you to complete the work you've begun in each of us. Lance mentioned John 3.16 earlier. One of my favorite verses is John 3.17. It says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn, but to save the world. I pray, Lord, as we're receiving, as we're responding tonight, we would know that we're loved as we are by you and we're not condemned. You've come to save us. So as we get ready to worship again, Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill this place again, continue to work on our hearts, and draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus, Lord, I pray that on this wonderful day, you would help us overcome our fear, follow our calling, that you would empower us all, that you'd show us all that every weakness that we have is simply an opportunity for you to show your mighty power upon our lives. That everyone can use their spiritual gifts in a way to help each other and grow in our faith. Amen. If you would just lift your hands with me and as I pray over benediction with you. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold too fast what is good. Love one another. With deep infection, thinking of others more highly than yourself, serve the Lord with zeal, rejoice in the Lord. rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer, and may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and our God our Father, who loved us by His grace, give us eternal encouragement and good hope. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Amen. Let's give it up for our youth and our youth band. My heart is full tonight. Just so excited for the plans and purposes God has for you guys. I've always just wanted to, to pastor a church, not caring if I'm the one up front, but just to love and see people released in their gifts and your parents tonight, your church tonight, your church family, your spiritual mamas and daddies and aunts and uncles love you are proud of you and excited to see how God's going to use you. Father, bless them. Use them, Lord. Call them apart. We're cheering for them, Lord. We're committed to them as a body. We take that responsibility, Lord, not for granted. Use them in mighty ways, Lord, and help them to reach the people and their spheres of influence, Lord, that you've called them to reach. Use them in mighty ways, Lord, to be world changers. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen.